0: Good morning, everyone, and good afternoon uh, to the people on this side of the Atlantic. Uh, so I, uh, I will start with a short Zen story. Maybe it is known for some of you, but perhaps it is new for others. So during the Tang period, uh, it is, there was a known Zen master named Bird's Nest Roshi and he used to sit on a branch of a tree. Maybe that's where he got his name. And in the province where Nest Roshi lived, there was uh, a also well-known governor, uh, Po Chui. I apologize for my pronunciation. Uh, And Po Chui was not an ordinary politician. He was also a well-respected poet. And one day, Po Chui went to see uh, Bird's Nest Roshi. And Potri, the governor, asked the Zen master, tell me, Bird's Nest, uh, what have all Buddhas taught? Bird's Nest Roshi uh, replied, never do evil, always good, do good, keep your mind pure. That's what all Buddhas have taught. But Chu was not particularly impressed and he replied back, Bah, I knew that when I was three years old. <laughs> yes, said Bertsnes Roshi. A three year old child may know it, but even a hundred year old person cannot put it into practice. Uh, so today I will uh, talk about the gift of the precepts, and in particular the exploration of the uh, ethical precepts, the 10 pyramid precepts that I have uh, done more consciously since uh, I started uh, the lay ordination process. Um, and, um, but the, first, the very first time I heard about the precepts was some years ago, uh, when uh, I started engaging with, with uh, Buddhism. And often, when we hear about uh, ethics or ethical conduct, uh, we have the, the conditioning of predefining it or labeling it uh, based on our assumptions and our backgrounds and not really exploring them actively. And that was my case uh, back then. Uh, And I tried to to make sense of it. I took the intellectual approach. So I tried to make some sense of it from the things that I knew. So first, I thought, oh, this is maybe some type of revealed ethics, like the commandments. I mean, they look more or less similar, like first is third here, fourth is fifth, and so on. But it's not something that is revealed by a higher moral authority. And nor it is, I remember back then I was uh, visiting some uh, courses with some friends and we also thought oh well what about maybe a conventional ethics like manners something that's transmitted from from a cultural background Uh, it's also not that and what about utilitarian ethics like in economics so uh, acting according to what produces the the most benefit for oneself or maximizes uh, something for a certain group of people but Buddhist, uh, the Buddhist principles don't uh, don't fall in these categories, and I had to actively and consciously uh, explore the precepts in order to have a glimpse at understanding them. And uh, so the, the precepts are more like guidelines, like uh, like trainings of the heart and of the mind, a little bit like. Like stars for for sailors, you you, you they they, they uh, allow you to navigate uh, in the ocean. And um, so it is uh, it involves uh, in in the process I've noticed it involves uh, asking questions and refining those questions and in, in the process deepening. So uh, my, my second approach was then the, the goal-oriented one, the one trying to achieve to get something done. So like in a checklist. So, uh, but I I've, I've realized that there is really no, uh, no finish line in in, uh, in the training. So uh, So one of the, So so I've been practicing the precepts week after week, and I have this cousin with our teacher Maido. And I remember that uh, one of the first precepts that I uh, explore more consciously was not killing. And in my view was, well, I mean, I took maybe the the very literal uh, uh, um, perspective. Well, I mean, today I didn't take out my knives and I didn't buy any guns. I'm on my way to perfecting this one. But it is really not like that. I mean, this can be extended to to something bigger, uh, involving direct and also indirect actions. So um, by asking questions, one comes maybe at understanding that also is about not harming, right? And uh, and what is the impact of our actions? in in relationship to things that we uh that we do and also in relation and also to the ones what you are not subconscious doing um like how how much uh do my eating habits harm others uh either directly or indirectly um and maybe also extending them to uh to Mm, values or things that are not so uh easy to 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 um to touch like what about killing dignity or motivation um uh, maybe in a conversation it was there something mean that i that i said maybe a harsh comment maybe a mean joke uh and intention was not really maybe there was something there maybe some envy or maybe some frustration, uh, and maybe also seeing it from a broader perspective. I mean, uh, who benefits? Who gets oppressed by the systems that we are uh, part of? Uh, another uh, precept that I remember. I, I will not go over every precept. We we will do that uh, in the next weeks. But I will just I just want to give you some. Some examples, not to make this so abstract. Uh, the one of not stealing. So I remember one of the first <laughs> uh, nights after, when I decided, okay, now these weeks I will explore uh, not stealing um, and also the positive part, um, which is related to generosity. I remember going to bed and telling myself, "Well, I mean, today I didn't rob any bank, so this is really going very well." I mean, uh, uh, but but I mean, it is again uh, through through questioning and uh, and also opening to, to some level of vulnerability. Uh, I found that. Uh, this allows to to go a bit deeper. I mean, also, what about taking someone else's time, uh, energy, also resources, uh, also taking other people's attention? I mean, am I taking away the living uh, habitat of other beings through uh, uh, my consumption? Uh, Or maybe also in a in a conversation, am I manipulating other people, or maybe not only a conversation, but am I manipulating other people to modify their behavior so that I get what I want? Uh, and maybe what about questioning if we are uh, taking more than we, than we need? And the same happened with the, uh, this is my last example, with uh, the uh, misuse of intoxicants. So not only uh, see, seeing the literal meaning of maybe or the maybe it's not literal, but maybe the the common one of thinking of them as uh, restricted to drugs and alcohol, but really trying to explore what clouds the mind, what doesn't allow me to see clearly. Um, maybe what about cell phones, uh, or social media, uh, movies. In my case, I found uh, that news, what like reading a lot of news was, uh, there was a moment when it was already affecting my, uh, yeah, my mind, my, my emotions. I, I was starting the day with some level of uh, yeah, frustration, of irritation. And, um, and maybe other, other uh, aspects might like, Uh, that are maybe more subtle like greed, anger, envy, sleep, or maybe an obsessive uh, search for for pleasure. Um, So uh, how much is this related to maybe our activities? How much is my work conducive or detrimental to to wise uh, mental states? I mean, which which activities, and with this one also, I've also opened to to recognize activities that maybe are more positive to bring the positive aspect of the precepts, like clarity. So, which activities brings bring compassion and peace, and are not another method of escapism? So, in general, these uh, uh, these questions are related to behavior, and uh, I think it's not only about how to behave, but uh, how to behave, for example, when we don't get what we want and when we get what we don't want. I mean, this inevitable characteristic of reality that sometimes we prefer to ignore or to forget. And it is also an exploration to the, to the insight where do our, our actions come from? Is it from a place of greed, or desire, or envy, or is it maybe from a place of compassion, even though maybe the action itself might not be the, uh, maybe the the wisest, because every situation requires a different uh, action, a different understanding, but maybe it comes from a place of empathy, or maybe from a place of love. Cornel West says, uh, Justice is how love looks in public. Another aspect uh, that I've observed in uh, exploring the precepts is that there is a meditative feature, like a uh, this process of, of engaging with the precepts, of questioning, of refinement, of looking for a wise uh, action even though it might might not come, is um, in some ways it creates a gap of awareness. And uh, this gap is a gap of awareness between our actions and the awareness of them. And it is, it felt like, or it feels like the gap in, uh, like this awareness in meditation, when when one is observing things. And at the beginning, this gap was very small. And I mean, now it's maybe still very small, but, it has stretched a little bit. And the more uh, I've been practicing them, the more it makes sense uh, to, to observe them. Uh, so one of the uh, task homeworks that Medo gave me at the beginning was to memorize the, the precepts. And uh, after some time, I understood why it makes sense because then you, you have them there. You don't have to think about them. I mean, I didn't have to go back to my notebook. They were already there. And this, cre- this gives some level of um, maybe some relaxation because you know they're there and also of, of being more, more conscious, uh, also being more, more mindful and more considerate. Uh, I've noticed that I usually uh, cycle to, to the university. And uh, there is a bridge that uh, I have to cross, and there's a, a bike lane. And after the bridge, there's a the bike lane becomes very narrow, and uh, so only like one or two bicycles can go at a time. And I found myself uh, that I was often uh, pedaling faster, and maybe even taking advantage of someone who was. From my eyes noticeably slower just to go first and which would make me i mean which now that i tell it it's it it makes no sense because i mean what i was winning like 10 seconds but it is this more this attitude of maybe it's also a way of stealing of taking advantage of something that maybe uh you have maybe because more training or the bicycle or maybe just the other person had it that day whatever but is this consideration in, in, uh, in the things that you do. So some ways this cultivation of ethical sensitivity, it is also a cultivation of, of mindfulness, of, of sati, uh, which uh, it is also something that has surprised me, like how much it has impact on my formal sitting, uh, uh, practice like the formal meditation Sitting practice. Um, and as the Zen story of the beginning suggests, it is a challenging place. Uh, <laughs> it is not it is not always an, an, an easy place to go. Uh, and it is challenging because it one is confronted with inner tensions and with outer ones. Uh, I found that I have to confront with Uh, truthfulness be honest about what it is happening and about the exploration because uh, I think often we we tell ourselves a story or to to try to justify things that maybe didn't come from a uh, from a pure place and one confronts also the ego and uh, maybe desires and aversions uh, but at the same time, uh, it cultivates uh, compassion and, uh, and courage. It is not easy to change uh, your ideas, and it is not easy to change your patterns of your life, especially if there is no courage to do it. Uh, but uh, as, as we practice the precepts, uh, I've observed that we also get closer to this boundary, to the boundary that maybe from the distance looks very rigid, but as we approach it, it becomes more flexible. And the more that we explore them, the more that we engage, the the more we can push it forward. Mahatma Gandhi, uh, who didn't have a uh, by no means an easy life. Uh, he he led a, an ethical life and uh, and he opposed prejudice and social discrimination uh, through nonviolent resistance. Resistance, which is not uh, always easy to do. And he used to say, uh, "Be the change that you want to see in the world." And um, so another uh, last aspect that I want to talk about is the one of mutuality. Um, this is something that I've been able to observe through practicing the, the precepts engaging, because it, it is nothing, it is not something intellectual. So my first approach back then many years ago has nothing to do when, it, when, when one really engages consciously. And I've observed that we tend to view our relationship with the world in terms of ownership. What is uh, ownership in in the sense of me and myself and mine? So the extension of of myself, what I consider as my things or maybe relationships, friends, family. And many of our actions are predicated uh, in relation to the thought what is in for me? Uh, what do I get out of this situation? Is it going to benefit me? Uh, is it worth doing because I, I get something out of it or maybe not? And, uh, but the precepts have to do go exactly in, in the opposite direction. They have to do some with something other than yourself. They try to get out of your own self-referential world. And see the experience of others, uh, like like seeing like if someone I don't know drops uh, at the university recently, someone forgot a sweater, and it is this feeling of not being like oh well I just take it out of the way, but maybe thinking well what would happen if that person would be me, and maybe. Trying to find a way to to that so that the sweater uh, uh, goes back to the person, or maybe uh, seeing the experience of others in uh, in a person walking on the street and dropping his or her bags, shopping bags, and instead of just ignoring the person, maybe trying to 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 help it, to help, to help this person because this is like the natural thing that one maybe would. Uh, like to experience, or maybe being in the position of the pig who is playing in the mud. So in some way, this is uh, also connects with some level of harmony. I find inspiring when the Dalai Lama says, whenever I meet someone or something, I always approach it from the standpoint of the most basic things we have in common. All of us want happiness and do not want to suffer. So finally, I just want to say a word about uh, why I call this Dharma talk the gift of the precepts. Uh, so there are some reasons. One is that I found that uh, that there is a word and uh, I think it's a Pali or Sanskrit, Mahadana, which it, uh, refers to honoring, that honoring the act of honoring the precepts is considered as a great gift. And because it creates an atmosphere of uh, security, of respect, of trust. And well, this makes sense. I mean, think of when we are of a situation where we are with friends or family, like big gathering. I mean, there is this sense of security. No one is really, uh, well, depending maybe it depends on the friends you have. But in, in general, no one is really worried about, uh, your belongings, whether someone is going to steal them, or maybe not really worried if, the, uh, if a conversation is going to hurt someone. Uh, but it also can, can also happen in uh, situations when we, uh, when we don't know the people. For, for instance, in the retreats I have been, uh, usually the, the doors of the rooms are not locked. Uh, but there, but everyone is uh, is uh, consciously practicing the precepts, and there, and this creates a feeling of trust that you know that your suitcase or your backpack is not going to be uh, is not going to disappear after the first meditation sit- sitting. Uh, but it is also a gift to yourself. I found that it is also a gift of freedom. And maybe it is not the, uh, maybe freedom is not the first thing that comes to our minds, or at least didn't come to my mind when one thinks about ethical precepts, because they seem to be like constraints. But maybe that also has to do with the way we see freedom. Uh, Because I'm not only talking about freedom to do something, which is... uh, which is good, I support it. But what about freedom from something? What about uh, freedom from envy? What about freedom from hate? What about freedom from aversion or from delusion? And I mean, also, there is the, a positive part of the precept. So, all the precepts have this positive uh, statement. And in also looking at the positive side, it opens the heart, Uh, it it looks for something also noble, like maybe generosity, or maybe maybe lending a hand to someone, or maybe trying to stay uh, equanimous instead of being reactive, and this is also another gift. Uh, But also maybe in a more literal way, So what happens when we look for a gift for someone? It is a moment when we stop thinking about ourselves and have to think about others. And finally, I will uh, just conclude with a poem from an 8th century Zen poet, uh, Pang Jung. Well, probably not pronounced correctly, but something like that. Uh, When the mind is at peace, the world, too, is at peace. Nothing real, nothing absent. Not holding on to reality, not getting stuck in the void. You are neither holy nor wise, just an ordinary fellow who has completed the work. Thank you.